This episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast is brought to you by Shades of Vengeance. We know you, you're a gamer like us. You want as much out of your game as we do. We all want the same thing. More. That's what Era the Consortium, a new sci-fi tabletop RPG, offers. Visit the Kickstarter at tinyurl.com slash K-I-C-K-S-O-V. That's Kick, capital S, capital O, capital V, Kick, S-O-V. We thank Shades of Vengeance for their support, and I will put a link in the show notes to their Kickstarter campaign. This week's Major Spoilers podcast is brought to you by the following. Daniel Berg. Sarah Reynolds, Charles Muir, Sarah Larrabee, love that name, Kyle Romero, Jeffrey Peterson, no relation, Nathan Buskell, strangely enough, we are related, Low Joe Riderworks, Don Willis, Wayne Mallett, Alexander Rudiger, Casey Bradley, Chris Hensley, Vern Wells, Jeffrey Peterson again, Andrew Coleman, Benjamin Wixer, Troy Hoff, Aaron Lim, Eric Anderson, Kevin Hall, Joel A. Maroney, Marcello Poblete Alarcan, The Mongoon Show, Sean Krause, Andrew Irwin, Roberto Lawson, Melanie Naselrod, Tony Jacobson, and Michael Kaiser. Fine and faithful spoilerites all, we'd love to have your name join them in the hollowed ranks of spoilerosity, meaning a future major spoilers production could go out to you. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Zach. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this Issued, do, 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 do. the makers of fantastic cigarettes, long in the leaf and short in the can, bring you another true story, perhaps from the tattered casebook of major spoilers. Stephen Schleicher, one of the city's nerdiest men, hides a secret life of internet adventure behind his gadabout-town reputation. In reality, he stalks the RSS feed and podcatchers of the internet that he loves so much to defend those who cannot entertain themselves. Only his trusty dungeon master, Rodrigo, who joins him in his quest, knows what happens when the Major Spoilers Podcast takes to the air! Welcome to Issue 562 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening to this very, very, very free podcast. Super it's free. so free, Rodrigo, that How we give it away it? all the time. Wow. All four of wow. us. Zach is back. Hello. My ex was like that. You know who else is back? Fantastic Four is back. Heard. Fantastic Four is back over at Fox. They've cast their four actors for the roles. We've got uh, Miles Teller, Kate Mara that you may know from, uh, uh, what's that, uh, House, House of Cards. Of Cards. Of Cards. Uh, Jamie Bell. Uh, those are the three new that have been uh, announced. And they're joining Michael B. Jordan in the uh, latest installment of the comic book franchise, the reboot of that franchise. Has and, he been uh, in anything since Space Jam? Different Michael Jordan. Uh, Michael B. Jordan, you may have remembered from such series as The Wire. And Chronicle, uh, oh, and a ooh, couple yeah. of other things. Really good actor. Uh, and I think that's in Chronicle. And I think that is where a lot of the controversy uh, has arisen because they're casting Michael B. Jordan as Johnny Storm and uh, Kate Mara as Sue Storm. Mm-hmm. A lot of people uh, upset about that. I'm not sure why. Well, and I I will look at it this from the perspective of the average person in the street. I can understand worrying about this, but I mean, the last two Fantastic Four movies cast the Storm siblings of people of different ethnicities as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's it's not like this is something that oh just came out of the woodwork. And frankly, 
I have, depending on how one counts, three or four siblings. My siblings and I do not share all the same ethnicity as we do not share all the same parents. And if you were to say to me, you know, hey, is that your sister? Because she looks like she's Native American, I would say, yes, that is, in fact, my sister. Now go away. You're a terrible human being. Now, I wouldn't say that last part. I just think it. But I can definitely see why people would be concerned. I think the problem that you get to is the people who are concerned for all the wrong reasons. Right. I think, um, yeah, I, I think there's there's multiple tiers of people scratching their head, right? Um, on the one hand, you have people who are like, but in the comics, he might. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, another group of people is like, but they're supposed to be siblings. I don't understand. Right. Um, and uh, as Matthew pointed out, um, you can have a sibling who is a different piece from you, um, mm-hmm. not just through um, having different parents, uh, but also adoption. They could be adoptive siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, or they could just, you know, I mean, that it happens too. Um, I, I, you know, per, 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 mo- moment for a personal story. My siblings um have significantly darker skin than me i am like the lightest skinned person in my family mm-hmm. most people when growing up didn't think that my sister and i were related even though we are when we moved to california most people actually assumed that my sister was like mixed black white because her skin's very dark mm-hmm. um and most people just assumed i was a white kid because um i have like light eyes and light skin so you can have siblings that are um that that have like disparate features, right? right. Um, this is something that we don't see on TV very often. Uh, mm-hmm. precisely I think because writers don't want to writers <laughs> and studios and stuff don't want to deal with those questions of like but that sort of family does actually exist. Yes. Um so I don't think this is a big deal at all. Other than the fact that I think this is a this is brave on Fox's part because there is a contingent of people that see a uh, white character, a traditionally white character being played by a black person and immediately get up in arms about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, beyond the uh, the racial issue, doesn't it then simply complicate the story? Because at some point people are going to go, hmm, wait a minute. How are they brother and sister? And no, now we've got well, to spend five minutes explaining it. No, you could spend 30 seconds explaining it. Well, I know you could spend 30 seconds. This is Hollywood, <laughs> and they have to dumb everything down, and they're going to spend 20 minutes on how they found uh, Johnny in a crashed building, mm-hmm. and the father adopted him, and blah, 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 and now we've wasted all this time on real story and character I, development. I don't think that story and character development is wasted. I don't necessarily think that... Yeah, I I do think they need to make an effort to address it. Or what I would prefer is if they keep bringing it up and don't address it, because that's that's actually my preferred method of doing silly things. But, you know, I'm I'm not everybody. Recently, there was an episode where... um, I'm going to go here because Steven loves it when I do this. Power Rangers changed forms and the Black Rangers key is now green. And in the middle of the battle, they're like, doesn't anybody realize my key is now green? And 
Overvoice is like, yes, there's a very clear explanation. The reason is, and the emergency alarm goes off and they never go back to it. Right. Love that, love that non-explanation explanation technique. But the the best part yeah, about that, the best part about that explanation, couldn't understand a damn thing you said. I'm going to have to call yeah, you guys got right all, back. Got a little, got a little, yeah. Okay, little technical difficulties. I think we got it cleared up. So yeah, like I think what would be the more interesting, what would have been, what would have been more interesting to make Sue and Johnny both African American. Well, that I think would well, be a much more risky and much more interesting story if they would have depends, done that. It depends on how you look at the Hollywood logic. What if they I just mean, made the whole cast black? Look at Hollywood well, logic for a second. I never would have got Having approved. the female <laughs> character is already on their expectations of what I believe, you know, when you hear people talking about the marketing and the toys and it, will this sell and what do we do and how do we make this popular? Having the female character is probably already what they consider to be a risk. This is, I mean, this is the same industry that won't make a movie out of the, one of the most iconic superheroes ever because it's somehow too difficult to make people love wonder woman. Mm -hmm. So I, I, don't expect, I don't presume, but I would not be surprised to hear that the reason that they went with a Caucasian actress in the female role is because the female role is already going to be problematic. I mean, Fantastic Four licensing in the past has been very light on Invisible Woman. When I went and I was like, ooh, these are really great action figures of the thing in the, the Human Torch, the reason I don't have a set of Fantastic Four action figures is I couldn't find an invisible woman, not just, I didn't like it. I couldn't find it. Because right, she's so, yeah. invisible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I have an invisible kid action figure. Yeah. But, or at least a box. But yeah, I think that that might be, could it be something that they're intentionally trying to get buzz people talking about their movie and wondering, Hey, we need to go see this and figure out what this is all about. I mean, I wouldn't put it past them. I think, yeah, would making both of them, I think if if both of them were black, then we wouldn't be hearing as much buzz, right? Because again, right, right. Mm -hmm. um, we're getting buzz from two camps now, weirdly, the the camp of people who are like, but they're white in the comics. Right. And the camp from people being like, you can't be sisters with a black person. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, so weirdly, this is this is something that I think is generating a lot more buzz from the movie. I, I, we've gotten a couple of uh, comments around the website where people are like, well, this is just uh, diversity for the sake of diversity. Um, and I think I would argue that there's be, because diversity is so hard to come by. Basically, mm -hmm. almost all diversity is and isn't for the sake of diversity. I mean, that's the mm -hmm. point. Diversity exists like as a, as an initiative in yeah. in American business exists for its own sake to keep you know marginalized to, to to bring marginalized people um, a little bit more representation. So this is very likely that it is diversity for diversity's sake. If you want, um, but, but that doesn't mean it's bad. Exactly. Diversity for diversity's sake at this point, especially when it comes to science fiction and superhero movies, is a very good thing. Because, frankly, we need diversity for diversity's sake. We need diversity for the sake of can we please have a movie that doesn't have a young white male protagonist? And, you know, I am or at least was once a young white male. 
I don't necessarily have a problem with going to the movies and, and feeling like I'm lacking in representation, but I do go to the movies and feel like I'm getting a homogenized experience, especially with superheroes, because not only are they all young white males, and this is a separate argument, they're all Batman or have Batman's origins. So I, I, I'm happy to see something, you know, even if it's like, well, we just wanted to cast this actor because we really like him. Great. Put him in there. Let's, let's see what happens. Let's see if the movie tanks because frankly, people are going to love it or hate it. And then they're going to talk about it. And somehow everybody's going to pretend to agree. I think uh, Michael B. Jordan, I think he's a really good actor. Yeah. I think I like it's a great casting, especially with, uh, Josh Trank, the director mm-hmm. of Chronicle, directing Fantastic Four, because mm-hmm. he was able to get a great performance out of Jordan in Chronicle. Yeah, I thought. I he think. I think Michael his his character ever. from Chronicle transitions to Johnny extremely well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think it's a. I mean, it's, I think it's a good move. What do you think about this uh, NBC's Heroes Returns coming to television in 2015? Thirteen yeah. episode <laughs> limited run series. Man, that, that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show panicked them, didn't it? Well, I mean, if you look at it, what what comic book property does NBC own? They don't. Mm. And the only superhero property that they have is The Cape and Heroes. Six seasons and a movie. It's a, good, it's a good choice to go with the heroes out of those two, I think. <laughs> out of those two, yes. I like the, idea, a- that, I like the idea that it's like 13, 13 episodes. No more, no less. 13 episodes is what we're committing to. Mm-hmm. We're going to treat, you know, it almost treats it like let's tell this arc and then that's it. Almost like Marvel is treating their comic books now where they'll do an arc and then six months from now we'll get a new number one on the X-Men or a new number one Wolverine or whatever. This is kind of like the heroes being able to do that. Now, we don't know anything about the story. We don't know about any of the cast returning or anything like that. But, uh, Rodrigo, you you want to see more heroes on uh, NBC? I the only way that I would really want to see more heroes is if I if is if it was not necessary for me to have watched a lot of the last series because I started watching it then got kind of fed up with it and and stopped and I I don't know how long the original series was too but long I, four, four seasons was it four seasons I don't think I even made it all the way through the second no. season first so season was the best if if these if this new limited series like just like kick starts right where the last one left off. Like I'm, I'm going to be lost. No, sure. I think, I think it's, there's no way they can pick up from where the last one left off. Too much time has passed since that. I mean, it's been what, almost six years, five, six years since that was on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seems like it. Um, I, uh, I think they're just going to start over with a whole new, I mean, it's called heroes reborn. So I'm it, it's a whole new cast. I think it is. I think it's going to be. I really think it's going to be. Wait, it's called Heroes Reborn. Yes, it is. But don't you think that Marvel shadow? <laughs> nope. Don't you What's think gonna... that uh, bringing a whole new cast into a, a, this show and only saying we're going to do thirteen episodes now? Don't you think if it gets any buzz, six episodes in, they're saying more seasons? No, sure, I think they probably. Sure. I think the problem was they didn't expect the first season of heroes to do that well Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden they had the great marketing campaign of save the cheerleader save the world and everybody started talking about it and they're like well we can't stop this now (laughs) and then three seasons later they're sitting there going what the f did we do Mm -hmm. i think they're not willing to make that mistake Mm -hmm. and i don't think i honestly don't think we talked about this on the morning stream this uh this week um i don't think that they really planned past the first season and they were caught by surprise and so therefore the second and third season really suffered 
Apparently it started coming around again in, in season four, but I never got that the, far. The writer's strike hurt them because they had some big well, that mythology too. arcs that got cut short. Here's my thing. If they're going to make this successful, and I say this again as, you know, the old jackass, the curmudgeon who's like, I saw this in a comic in 78. You have to treat the comic book elements. And I say comic book elements with air quotes. Oh, man. Has it been so long that we've forgotten air quotes already? No, we're just not. Uh, we're no selling your jokes this week. No, we don't, well, I don't even know what you're yeah. talking about. Oh, so it's just another week. <laughs> yes, regular week. It's Tuesday, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you can't treat those comic book elements as a replacement for plot and character. And that, I think, is what Sank Heroes for me is. Rather than try and invest me in Siler, they just kept giving him more powers and making him do more evil things. And, right. you know, more cliffhangers and more evil twins and more dead siblings and everybody's related. And you just made out with your uncles. You 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 have to use those. Granted, I mean, if you're telling a story and you're making sure that you're uh, ripping off the X Men, which you know, n- don't get me wrong, there's a there's a lot of money to be made in ripping off the X Men. You there's have a long to- proud history of ripping off the <laughs> X Men. Exactly. You have to be telling something. You have to have an end game other than let's just see how many of these things we can put in here because otherwise it just turns into the last, you know, two or three years of uh, the, the guiding light on CBS, which oh, you know, yeah, didn't frankly, they have superheroes in that. Exactly. Yeah, they, yeah, did. Yeah. they had a, they had a girl turn into a superhero because somebody said superheroes and, and soap operas have exactly the same plot points. They have the same toys. They have the same tropes. They have similar plotting. They have a very similar fan base. The only difference is the fan bases don't realize that and tend to be rabidly unpleasant to one another. Yeah. So the comic book people didn't want to watch Guiding Light and the Guiding Light people didn't want to buy comic books. And then we're cha-chaing. But I will say this. She had a fabulous costume. Yeah, I remember that a, costume. In a very 70s like disco blue, bond. Blue and white kind of thing. Blue and silvery gold. Yeah, she yeah, was yeah. called the Guiding Light. There you go. She had superpowers and was called the Guiding Light. Uh, Somewhere in there, did I hear that I could pick up a uh, pack of Days of Our Lives action figure toys? Is that what you said? <laughs> no, Guiding Light. No, Guiding okay. Light. I thought you said soap operas had toys, and I was really ready to race out to Hastings and pick Although, up some Days of Our Lives toys. <laughs> you might, you might be able to do it in a roundabout way if they ever made a, uh, <laughs> if they ever made any action figures of that Disney show that had that one girl because there's a girl. On yes. Days of Our Lives, like this little blonde girl who was also on a Disney Channel show. <laughs> was it Xenon? And, was that the name of the girl? Oh, yes. girl of the 21st also, century? The, the good, movie, yeah. good movie. I do, I do have an action figure of the actress who played Marlena on Days of Our Lives. <laughs> because early in her career, she was on a Croft show called Electro Woman and Dyna Girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have Electro Woman and Dyna Girl. Uh, superhero action figures. So I do have a Deidre Hall action figure that I sometimes, you know, have make out with the thing because, well, frankly, my action figures are fun. Hey, uh, Zach, are you excited for next Friday? What happens next Friday, Stephen? (laughs) What happens next Friday? Star Wars, The Clone Wars on Netflix. We're getting the final 13 episodes of that. Uh, Star Wars, The Clone Wars, The Lost Missions. Yes, aren't they going to 
everything. Yeah, they're going to put up everything in that. That's what I'm excited about because I never really watched that show consistently. Oh, okay. So you're missing out. I mean, the, oh, absolutely. the last season out. was just yanked. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we lost half that season. So they're putting the final 13 episodes up on Netflix starting March 17th. Yes. And hopefully we'll find out what happens to Ahsoka. But uh, man, the trailer came out yeah. today or yesterday. I forget which day. But ooh, it's all about are they going to uncover uh, what is it, Order sixty six or whatever it is mm. about killing all the Jedi? Order sixty six. Yeah, Order sixty five. It uh, it looks really really good. I can't wait for that to hit Netflix, and it's a pretty good deal for Disney and Netflix on this. Oh yeah, um, and Lucasfilm. Netflix gets uh, Star Wars: The Clone Wars exclusively, I think, for five years. Wow. So that means they're probably not going to update it on the iTunes unless that's a separate agreement for downloads as opposed mm-hmm. to streaming. Um, but uh, I, I really can't wait to see this this uh, series finish off just in time for Rebels this fall. Yeah, yeah. Rebels? Rebel, Rebels. Yep, Star Wars Rebels. Hey, Fred, we're, we're with the Jedi now. <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars Rebels, get it? Yeah. I, I even got, got that one. Yeah. Again, it's Tuesday. <laughs> Have you have you guys seen those uh, that uh, line of um, nerf like nerf for girls the nerf rebel? No, I have not. No. Um, it's like uh, your standard kind of a crossbow and gun nerf. Oh, toys, I have seen this one. They're, they're pink and purple, and yes. like their, their motifs are more like uh, angel wingy and stuff yes, like that. Yes, I've seen um, these. I think they're cool. Like they look good. Like I think they're well designed. Um, again, weird, but um, it's 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 hilarious that it takes like three years straight of like movies with archers in them before <laughs> Nerf is like, you know what? We can sell weapons to women. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How really, is there? You really how don't is there have to try that a, hard uh, though? How is there not a Katniss bow and arrow? For well, well, the main one girls. is the Nerf Rebel Heartbreaker Bow Phoenix. Right, no, that's right. a horrible name. Oh, it is a, it is a terrible name. He was a person on Days of Our Lives. Yeah, actually. <laughs> oh man, I would buy. No. Was, uh, I'm Bo Phoenix, and this is my wife Clotemstra. They also have a Nerf Rebel Power Pair Pack, which are two little guns, and then the Nerf Rebel Guardian Crossbow, which looks pretty awesome. I'm gonna get that for Widget. Where do they sell these? Uh, probably in the girl aisle. We talked about I've that seen, last yeah, week. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they. I, I know. I've seen. I know. I've seen them in Walmart. Uh, you know the bad. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's. I don't know if it's intentional or what. But the darts, which you know they have those weird shaped darts now. They look like lipstick. Yeah, maybe intentional. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Hard to say. Where to buy? Let me see, Matthew. Where we can buy it? Clickety clickety. Uh, you can buy it internet. at the HasbroToyShop.com or Amazon.com. I don't want to go on it's the internet. It's Nerf Rebel Guardian Crossbow. I work on the internet. I don't want to shop there. Then people will know where my money comes from. Well, if you're going to shop, what I would suggest doing is going over to Majorspoilers.com. Use that Amazon link to make all your purchases. You're going to pay the same price. I bought a whole bunch of new Munchkin stuff Yay. this week. Cannot wait for us to play with it in an upcoming Munchkin Land episode. Totally. But you go over there. You're going to pay the same price. The cool thing is a little bit comes back our way, and I know a lot of you. Some guy, uh, and I forget his name, sorry, but was contacting me today, and he goes, hey, will we get in trouble if we, like, use that link every single day to buy stuff? And I'm like, no, you're not going to get in trouble. That's what Amazon wants you to Mm -hmm. do. And he's like, with my business, I'm going to Amazon every single day, and I'm buying stuff every single day through that Amazon, and I want to go through your link. And I'm like, brother, keep doing it. And we hope, brother, 
And we hope that more of you do that. I mean, there's a lot of cool things. What's what's coming up, Zach, that you're interested in, in checking out on the Amazon.coms? Oh, man. Um, well, it's a whole new year with a whole new year of music to be had. Oh, so, yeah. So you want to go and, gotta get and my, find gotta your... Get some vinyls. Oh, yeah. Some vinyls. Cool. Yeah. What do they have on the vinyls that you're looking for? Oh, um... That- Vampire Lumineers and no Vampire the, uh, Weekend. El- I don't remember. Soup I don't even know who's coming out with albums this year. Is um, it the Electric Soup Dragons and it's Elect- Volcano Choir's album on vinyl. I don't have that yet. Volcano Choir. No, I don't. You do. Oh, here we go. It's an audio CD, uh, audio CD, MP3, audio uh. CD, MP3, audio, audio, audio CD. Well, oh, here we go. Look at that. Vinyl. For Emma, Forever Ago, on vinyl. That's Bonavere, yeah, there we go. Yep, by, uh, uh, that came out in 2008. You mm-hmm. can get it now, Zach. Mm-hmm. In stock, only one left. Oh, man. fourteen ninety eight. It's a pretty good deal. You're going to pay that fourteen ninety eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit comes our way. I like that. And helps keep shows like Major Spoilers and Munchkin Land and Critical Hit and Dueling Reviews and all the shows that we do. Wow. And the Major Spoilers Podcast Network, seven of them. Right now. Yeah. Right now. Right now. Seven, seven of them. As of recording. As of Think this of recording, seven. More people get on board, start using the Amazon. We can do a whole bunch more things. Amazon.com. Use that link over at Majorspoilers.com. We thank you for your support. Speaking of support, Zach has support issues. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go buy a new jock later. <laughs> Um, oh, excellent. Lee Gross. <laughs> well, I hope you do it through that Amazon.com link. Oh, stop. Let's see. Athletic supporters. You don't hey. want to buy them this time of year. Sometimes Small. I go on Amazon to see the weirdest thing I can find. And I'm just saying, if you ever want to practice an, uh, circumcision, <laughs> Amazon is going to be up. <laughs> Zach has a problem with uh, sequels and the fact that uh, people are announcing sequels that won't come out for like five years. Yeah, I don't like it. And he's written an interesting article over it. at Majorspoilers.com. You can go check that out uh, this week. So, uh, hey, good- Zach. What's up? You know why it's great to be a moil? No. They don't pay you good, but you always get to keep the tip. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> God. Thank you, Rodrigo, the only one who knows what a moil is. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> we all know what a moil is, Matthew. <laughs> oh, that's right. We saw Por- Porky's 2 on Zach on film. Nope. No, we didn't. Did I dream let that? Us, let us get yep. to some reviews. Review. So out this week from Dark Horse Comics is uh, Aaron Warner's Pariah Volume 2 Number 1. And I didn't realize that this was a Volume 2 because when I picked it up, it just says Issue 1 on, on the cover. Mm-hmm. Um, this is taking place. Uh, a bunch of uh, uh, vitros or vitros have been. And, and again, I don't know. I, the, the vitros, as they're called, this takes place in a future Earth. I had to do some research on this. There are a group of several hundred kids from all over the world who possess beyond human intelligence produced via genetic manipulation. And even though they are relatively normal, some of them are smarter than others. Some of them can do things better than others. uh, Apparently, they are seen as dangerous. And so the authorities are trying to round them up and kill them off and all these kinds of things. So apparently all that happened in volume one. And they must have made their escape. In volume two, they've all made it to this giant archaic um, ancient space station orbiting the earth. And they think they're going to be all safe up there and be able to do whatever they need to do up there and kind of live out their life or at least figure out what they're going to do next. Problem is the space station immediately goes into a deorbit cycle and they have to figure out how the heck they're going to survive and not all burn up. 
And there's a scene from the perspective of one character. Um, and I think that that was kind of an interesting story point because now that we're getting into issue two, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know how they're going to do a take on this story because again, I didn't read volume one. If, um, if volume one kind of follows the same way that I'm reading here in volume two, that probably would be a very interesting series to read. Some of these kids are half robots. Uh, some of these kids are super sciencey and can figure out uh, huge computations that supercomputers could do. Do they have superpowers? No, they, well, they don't have superpowers, but it's, it's kind of like one kid might be the equivalent of 25 Einsteins, <laughs> the intelligence level of 25 <laughs> Einsteins all packed and together. That much hair could kill anyone on sight. And some of them are, I mean, they just kind of really f- figure out things much better than, uh, than other people. So they don't have, they don't have superpowers per se. But they have heightened abilities. Now, this doesn't I mean, as far as I know from this first issue, nobody has psychic powers and nobody has super strength or the power to turn invisible because they all need oxygen to survive. If the ship blows up, so do they. It's just people trying to survive. The art is um, is very different. Uh, I know it's Brett uh, Weldel, Welder or Weldley. I don't know how you say his last name. Um, it's different. Uh, I think the problem when I encounter art that's intentionally done different than comic book styles that we have come to expect, that it really throws me because characters start to look a lot like other characters, especially when the art style is very loose and fluid. And so by the end of the issue, the person that we've been following as the narration suddenly looks like a guy that they've been uh, shoved in a locker at the beginning of the issue. Ooh. So that kind of threw me off a little bit, but I think it's just because I'm not used to this particular style. A lot of uh, the same color, almost it's almost kind of like a wash over the whole page. Not quite watercolor, but colors bleed in and across one another in a lot of different places. Um, I didn't hate this book. I think that my biggest concern was I came into this thinking this was literally a brand new series and a first number one. And it starts out five minutes and literally the first box is this is what happened five minutes later. With no explanation of what happened five minutes ago. So I'm dropped into this trying to figure it out. And it's only by going out and doing some some research that I found out what this backstory is of all these characters. Um, they're, they're just super smart. Uh, I liked it from that perspective. I kind of do want to see what happens next. Uh, the art kind of threw me. But apparently, you know, this is a, is a pretty big series from the from the first volume. I think it's going to be pretty big in this one. I'm giving this one three and a half slices of meatloaf. It's Aaron Warner's Pariah Volume 2 Number 1 out this week from uh, Dark Horse Comics. Got a pretty cool ending that you might want to check out. So there you go. Matthew, what, have you, what are you reading this week? Ooh, X-Files Conspiracy, Ooh. TMNT Number 1. Yes. Which... <laughs> this, is, this is what I love about IDW. It kind of yes, blew everybody's mind a few years ago when, uh, man, it was like three years ago. When they did infection. when they finally said, you know what, we're going to have Transformers crossover into all of our properties. So Transformers and G.I. Joe, Transformers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Transformers mm-hmm. and Tomb Raider, Star Trek. Star Trek, all that stuff. <laughs> and people were like, How? and then they did it again with the zombie, you know, the, the infestation. Yeah. yeah, the infestation thing where it crossed over into so many things. Now it looks like they're doing it again with either Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or the X-Files. I can't. Tell which one files X files conspiracy basically deals with the lone gunman Langley Byers and Fro Hickey. Uh, They are examining. They're trying to find a way 
to stop a what is a lethal outbreak of a strange virus. Mm. And they are going up and they're following up old leads in the X-Files. And among those leads are the case of what Mulder has called the Manphibians of ah, New York City. Okay. People keep claiming that they see these four things that look like turtles climbing out of the sewers and attacking people with weapons. And so the lone gunmen have come to New York to try and track down basically the legend of these Manphibians. Now, I am a big believer in the lunatic crossover because if you are going to take two properties that don't have natural crossover, you have to do it with a bit of humor. You have to, mm-hmm. you know, you can't take either property too seriously. X-Files was generally a straightforward series with some supernatural elements. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, aside from that that central premise of we are ninjas and also radioactive turtles, was kind of a straightforward show. So their universes aren't intrinsically terribly uh, hard to coordinate with one another. But as this issue starts, we find that the lone gunmen are in the sewers of Manhattan. It turns out that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are actually upstate trying to recover from a serious beating at the hands of the foot. And it leads to the best line in the book where Frohickey and Byers are like, what are we going to do? Well, if there's a choice between looking in this for a sewer or going to Northampton, I'm going to choose the non-poop option. (laughs) But uh, it's interesting to see this because it's – an interesting story from the turtles perspective. Um, it, I'm not sure where it falls, whether it's an IDW continuity. It's very similar to an old school scene that was rehashed in the very first turtles movie where Leonardo lost his smile and the whole team went to live on a farm and lick their wounds for a while after a beating. You may remember that Zach from when you were five. No, but, I was uh, uh, two. Shut up. You're welcome. The lone gunman who, by the way, aren't dead. That's the best part of the IDW comic book series. The lone gunmen aren't dead. Find that this strange upstate town is also awash in vampires. <laughs> so they immediately presume that the turtles are vampires. So, of course, you have to have vampires and turtles. And then you have these three nerds who aren't really combat types. They're not fighty, fighty guys. Um, but it's interesting to see them capturing all of the voices really well. Casey Jones and April are in this and they have brief roles. And there's a point where there's a huge fight going on between turtles and vampires and Frohickey and Byers are rock, paper, scissors to see who has to get involved. It's nice to where they, they manage to, I think at least honor the spirit of the two series. There's a five second appearance by Mulder. And when it comes down, when it all breaks down at the end, They've said to the turtles, wait, we need some of your blood. And of course it goes badly, but there's a nice twist at the end. And there's a really beautiful moment involving Leonardo and uh, the nerdy one, Ringo. I can't remember his last name. He may be Byers. No, Byers is the handsome one. Frohickey is the creepy one. So he's got to be Langley. I have to work through this. I'm going to go with three and a half slices of meatloaf. It's a likable premise. It's an interesting book, and I think if they're going to go across the entire IDW publishing line in a van and interact with the Transformers and the Ghostbusters and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and, uh, I don't know, Peanuts, My Little Pony, who else do they have? They've uh, got Star everybody. Trek, Doctor Who. Well, they used to have I Doctor Who. don't think Star Trek is going to be a part of this. Why not? 
Samurai Jack is an IDW book. I don't know if that's going to be in there. I believe they're kind of tied to the fact that the lone gunmen are three guys in a van and probably can't make it to the 23rd century. Yeah, but Star Trek people come back from time all the time. Remember when they had to steal that pilot and wipe his memory like twice? Yeah, do you remember that time when uh, Tuvok Shakur was walking around because he had a little... Remember that time they slingshot it around the sun and had to save whales? Do you remember the one where Cisco went back in time and became Joseph Bell? Remember I'm black and he's white and he's black and he's white? There was no... There was no time travel in that. That was just Frank Gorshin covered in body paint. I don't know. It was pretty trippy to me. I thought there was some time travel involved. How many, how many slices of meatloaf are you? That is 45 minutes of, oh, man, that's awesome. I say three and a half slices of meatloaf All right. for Conspiracy Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I really hope that uh, the other writers jump on board and that we see all of these reviewed at Major Spoilers. Yeah, that'd be pretty funny. It'd be kind of awesome. Rodrigo, what about you this week? What about me? What about um, you? Right about what about me? Uh, this week, I'm looking at Veil number one. Ah, uh, okay. From Dark Horse Comics. Dun, dun, dun. Greg, uh, Tony Fejula. Fejula. Um, the Mike Rula? The old yeah, school? Yeah, pretty much. Uh this is uh have you guys have you guys ever seen Splash? Yes. The movie? Yeah. About the about the mermaid? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So so this this book starts out with Splash except starts out like Splash except instead of uh, a beach it's a subway and instead of like fish and people at a beach being around it's rats. Um, but other than that, it's basically the same thing. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but it does, it, it does, it is reminiscent. A, a, a strange woman uh, appears uh, naked in an abandoned subway station and uh, proceeds to have some uh, misadventures. She, we find out she has some strange powers. I don't want to spoil too much. Okay. Um, the art is very cool. Um, it is. Um, very enjoyable. The characters are very distinct, and the colors are very. It, it, it's a lot of the um, edges of the characters are kind of defined by color rather than by like actual hard like pencil or, or ink lines. Um, the uh, there's not a lot of black lines in it, so it's all very uh, kind of dreamlike. But it's also not. It's also it also doesn't look like something that was like painted necessarily. Um, it's it's pretty interesting. The look at the the book has a very interesting look. Um, the it's violent, so if you're if you're getting into this, you should know that uh, there's some blood and some nudity. Um, altogether, like I, I really like art, but um, the kind of the. Basically, this book has two parts. You, this mysterious woman that starts out, and then you find out one of the abilities of this mysterious woman. Neither of which I'm really interested in. I've seen a lot of like amnesiac wakes up naked somewhere uh, stories. I think it's uh, it's something that's been done a lot. You've and I'm not, a couple of those, from what I understand. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and so I'm not I'm not too interested in that angle. Like I. I Far from making me think, what is this person's deal? I just think, you know what? I've seen this a lot of times. 
Um, and then the other thing is the 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 powers that she has are is something that I've also seen um, a few times, and it's it's like once that was revealed, I'm like. I'm not really all that interested in a character who can do this. I've seen it before. And again, since I'm not interested in the mystery either, I'm kind of not interested in general. Um, the The book is interesting. It's cool to look at. The art definitely pushes it to an above average uh, situation. I'll give it three slices of meatloaf because I really, I think the art is something cool to look at. I think the character design is cool. I think the um, the colors are very cool. But um, I'm not, I mean, unless I, I might, I might flip through the next issue, but I'm, I'm really not, not too interested in the plot. Okay. That is, uh, that's out this week or is that out next week from Dark Horse? That is out next week, I okay. believe. Next week from Dark Horse Comics. Finally, young Zach, uh, welcome back Hello, once again. Thank you. Thank you for having um, me. You decided to go off, uh off the normal path of books that are reviewed and went deep sure. into the realm of independent comics this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I am looking at Myth Number 3 that came out last week from Alterna. Is, is that the one about the Loch Ness Monster or is that the one about Bigfoot? No, you're th- no, it's not. Um, no. There's a joke in there somewhere, but it, it's, it passed me. Myth, myth, yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, Myth Number 3 it's been a while since this is the final issue in this little myth arc. Issue two <laughs> came out. Um, I don't remember when. It's been probably three or four months since the gap between issue two and issue three. And I'm kind of okay with that because this issue rocked. In issue one, we got introduced to our main character who was an orphan and met this giant man and they busted up a horrible orphanage ran by a crazy lady and that was awesome issue two we got some mythological stuff introduced with mm-hmm. this with this forest there's a witch and there's this long backstory about this wood in issue three we get 50 pages of just mashing both of those things together and it came out super awesome so sam and uh this this uh, older lady friend that he met at a farm uh eventually team up and try to take out this uh witch lady with their giant help of a friend and there's this like big like mythological battle that happens but it feels so natural in this book because it always i felt like through reading this that all of the supernatural kind of elements that are thrown in here feel like something that a kid would make up but in in their playtime so it felt really natural even when a, a witch spews out bees out of her mouth and these yeah. bees when they zap someone or sting someone whatever bees are prone to do uh they turn to stone and the bees? it was a bit, yes the bees do this they're a very uh they're a, they're a, i think they're african i'm not entirely sure uh but there's some this is this is touted as an all ages book and it certainly feels that way especially from the uh the character design of some stuff it's it's not too menacing, but there's certainly a uh, threat shown through the way the witches look and these crazy, like, robot guys. I don't know quite sure what they are. They look like robots at first, but they actually turn out to be some giant troll-looking things. Mm. They look pretty cool. Giant troll um, robots. Yeah, it's kind of like a giant troll robot thing. Uh, but there's there's an emotional depth to the story that I think older readers will appreciate, and... 
it's not there's there's violence in there but it's not shown uh if there is a giant that squishes a troll robot man's head but they do it off panel so you don't really see it it's kind of implied if you can read into what that where his hand was and then the sound effect (laughs) um so you, you shouldn't be afraid uh, of reading this book with your kids. In fact, I think it would it would it wouldn't be bad if your kid likes some comics because the uh, the young boy I think has some good traits about him, and he he learns a valuable lesson of of love and family and friends. And it's very nice, and I found it emotional and just all good. I like the art in this book. It's very black and white and starky. The only problem that I have with it is that sometimes. They use a like a negative white space to divide panels, mm-hmm. and since it's only black and white, sometimes it's oh, hard it, to differentiate between when a panel starts. And they don't and ends. have a, a traditional border. Right, there's not a traditional border always. Mm-hmm. So, so at some at some points there is a traditional border, but other times it's just a negative white space, and that can lead into a moment of confusion on where I need to go on this panel. But that's my only gripe about this art. I really enjoy it. The artist. Let's say his name is Dan Lauer. I really like it. Um, so this is a really good book. I think you should pick it up. It's over fifty pages long. It's two ninety nine on Comicsology. Two ninety nine on Comicsology. Because oh, I've got it listed as one ninety nine. Is it? Uh, I thought I saw it today as two ninety nine. Okay, maybe they found out it was so popular. That maybe they that's what price. it was. All those extra electrons needed to make those yes, extra yes, twenty five yes. pages. They heard Zach was going to be reviewing it. And yep. Like, oh. Hello, future Hello. people. You better jack yeah. up that price in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna give him, uh, myth number three, four and a half slices wow, of cool. meatloaf. Wow. Yeah, they have to go I check really, this out. I really dug it. That may be Zach's highest score to date. Maybe. Who knows? I don't know. I've seen uh, his fiance. She's got a pretty high score, too. Yeah, she's pretty high. Hey, <laughs> She's like, she's not even a meatloaf. I would say she's probably like four slices of lasagna. It's always good to date a Interesting, Interesting to, to, to yeah, find yeah, yeah. out more about Zach's grading scale. <laughs> well, he's not too wrong. Yeah, yeah, lasagna like, does I, rank I, a little bit better than really lasagna. Yeah, you know, you can really see that like Zach's a kid from the Midwest because it's not like somebody else could have said like caviar or, you know, something that, like, or at least some chicken wings, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alaska. I don't know. Any any other it's like no. What what is the only thing that trumps meatloaf? A folded up pizza and after that, lasagna. <laughs> Let us uh listeners, you can head over to majorspoilers.com. A lot of uh, other reviews over there. Go check those out. And right now, why don't we get to our poll of the week? Poll of the week now. Poll of the week now. It's poll of the week, and it is right now. Got an email this week from Eddie in Pittsburgh who asked this question. <laughs> I've been wondering something for quite some time, and I thought your expertise could help me out. Who would win in a fight, Spider-Man or Darth Vader? I really can't figure this one out. I'll leave any de- details to you fellas. Now, I've got my answer, and I wanted everybody else to weigh in on this, including mm-hmm. people in the chat room or in the uh, comment section. Over at Majorspoilers.com. A lot of people weighed in. I thought that this was pretty cut and dried, that Darth Vader would win, because mm-hmm. it's just a fo- force choke away, and that's it for young Peter Parker, or Doc Ock, or whoever's occupying his sure. body this week, Ant-Man. <laughs> Spoiler alert. So you're saying that Spider-Man has never fought a telekinetic in 55 years. I don't know. Superhero. I haven't read Spider-Man for 55 years. Only since Dan Slott's been working on him. So I went with Darth He's Vader. He's fought telekinetics in the Dan Slott run. Maybe not the Dan Slot run I read, but uh, I picked Darth Vader. 
Zach, what about you? I certainly considered the whole force choke scenario. And my question with Vader's force choke ability is what parameters must the individual that is being applied to the force choke fit for it to happen? Is it I choose you, I see you, yeah. and I choke well, I choke your throat, or is it a temporal, like you occupying the space, now I choke you? Here's the thing. We, and by we, I mean myself and Rodrigo and Rob, <laughs> sat down to do a new um, bonus tracks over at members.majorspoilers.com for our VIP members. Mm-hmm. Listeners, you can head over there, members.majorspoilers.com. You can find out how to get uh, bonus tracks where we sit down and we provide commentary for a movie. Um, the, uh, uh, we made a, an empire strikes back as the movie for March. Right. And as we were watching this, we noticed that Darth Vader is like force choking someone either a very great distance, if not several systems away. Mm. So I think he just has to think about you and you're done. Well, if that's the way that works, then I would have to change my answer to Darth Vader because my initial gut reaction is Spider-Man. Uh, Darth Vader is clunky and slow, and he can't grab his lightsaber if his hands are webbed, and Spider-Man's funnier. Thus, <laughs> the win. But if, if really, if, if Darth Vader can just think about you and choke you, how can you beat that, really? The, there's only one way I unless can you can, think. Unless you can fight through it. There's only one way that I, th- I think that gives Spider-Man the edge. And that's because of his spider senses. Mm-hmm. But maybe, uh, Matthew, you've got a different perspective on what would make Spider-Man win over well, a Dark Lord of the Sith. I think that any argument that we ever have, and this is this is true of many polls of the week, if you say, oh, no question X, you're wrong. But that's just me. Um, <laughs> more importantly, what you're looking at is two characters who kind of exist in separate and distinct universes. We talked about mixing your turtles with your X-Files is kind of a peanut butter and chocolate situation. Darth Vader and Spider-Man is kind of a peanut butter and asparagus because Darth Vader is from a relatively grounded, if you completely ignore the expanded universe, which I am contractually obligated to do because... I'm going to tell you a secret. I hate the expanded universe. I think the expanded universe was just too expanded. You've got a relatively realistic premise and kind of limited in a lot of ways. Now, granted, I do remember him uh, choking the guy. You are now in command, Admiral Piet, or whatever that was. But you also think, has Spider-Man fought telekinetics, powerful telekinetics before? Has Spider-Man fought guys who can outpower him? Guys with energy weapons, guys who have multiple attack options. Yes, they have. So, well, if that's your justification, then next week's poll: Batman versus Darth Vader. Batman's still going to win. I'm ignoring you. Now. <laughs> Spider-Man exists in a universe with a lot more wild concepts and a lot more, I think, greater power levels. Darth Vader is extremely powerful for his world, and I don't think he has you know, 10 tons worth of super strength. He is strong. He has his, his energy weapon, but Spider-Man's a, a, a dodgy dodgery guy. So I think what it really comes down to for me is Spider-Man is a superhero used to fighting supervillains. Darth Vader is a murderous jack wagon. And Darth Vader will kill you as soon as look at you. And I don't think he has the same, you know, I'm going to rob this bank thing that you get from the Vulture or Doc Ock. So I said Darth Vader because I think Darth Vader is more likely 
to be willing to kill or maim Spider-Man. And I don't know that Spider-Man is immediately going to walk in expecting that the big guy with the voice is going to chop him in two. So, Okay. Rodrigo, what about you? Spider-Man, no question. Um, <laughs> I think... I think uh, <laughs> Uh, no, basically, it it, everybody, everybody's like real, real uh, hung up on the force choke, right? So it's like Darth Vader walks in, force choke. Spider Man goes, "Oh no, I'm being force choked." Webbing to the helmet, pull. Darth Vader chokes to death first. Oh yeah, <laughs> nice. I like your story. So it's like, why didn't Darth Vader choke Luke Skywalker to into submission and then kidnap him right during uh, Empire? Um, it's like, well, maybe it's harder to choke non-peons. You know, maybe there's oh, something yeah, about the heroic spirit. That, yeah, non-losers. That's, yeah, yeah. that's harder to choke, right? So if, and if Darth Vader tried any of the stuff that he tried on Luke, it wouldn't work on Spider-Man. It's like, I'm going to hit you with a tube. Spider-Man can bench press a bus. <laughs> yes. Um, so I at think, least one thing would come out of it is uh, Spider-Man would lose a hand. I think I, I think that's I think um, the other thing that you have to consider is that Peter Parker is actually a scientific genius. True, true. Because because why not, right? So it's like I think as soon as he sees that little pack on his chest, it's all over because he'd be yeah. able to figure it out because nobody can write science. Because you can Marvel hear Universe. him breathing from across yeah. the room. Yeah, exactly. That's so it's like, fun. oh, that's that's clearly an issue. I'm just gonna deactivate <laughs> that for a while because he's a good guy. You know, he's not gonna let him choke to death. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like Darth Vader is actually extremely vulnerable. <laughs> and the fact that there aren't people in or too many people in the Star Wars universe who can pick up something that weighs a ton and hit you with it. Yeah. Um, I, I think I think people are, are underselling Spider-Man in general. Yeah. Not to mention that, as, as, as has been pointed out. He has precognition powers. Mm-hmm. So any amount of sneakiness that uh, Vader might have with like the Empire having like access to M- Imperial resources is largely negated by the fact that Spider-Man's pretty stealthy, very yeah. hard to get a hold of, and also precognitive. So over in the uh, comment section, Big Jim says, I think this one's pretty obvious. Sith takes Spidey in two rounds, maybe three. Matt says, force choke check, force grasp check, lightning check, force reflexes and senses check. Spider-Man can't do much when he's getting choked out and can't get away. And then someone else points out that force he can't do force Darth lightning Vader because of his robot body. Yep. Yeah, that's what I was just reading. Um, uh, let's see. Blue Yonder that. says, Spider-Man wins. He's quite a bit faster, a little bit smarter, and only a little less whiny than Anakin. Uh, <laughs> Sidna says, much to my own surprise, I chose Spider-Man. My reasons was very simple. What is Darth Vader throwing at Spider-Man that he hasn't faced before? Even Force Lightning, uh, that most uh, Sithy of powers. It's merely a variant of what old Webhead faces every other Tuesday with Electro. Um, Alicia says, um, do, do, do. I guess she doesn't really say for sure in that in that post. Oh, here she says, I had to go with Darth Vader. Don't get me wrong. I think Spidey would do his best and the fight would be easy for either party. But I'm not so sure Spidey could overcome the power of the dark side of the Force on his own. Russ Cat says, I'd give the edge to Spider-Man. Will Young says, definitely an interesting matchup and not an, an obvious winner. I went with my gut reaction of Vader because James Earl Jones. Clubber <laughs> um, uh, Lang says, the force plus lightsaber equals too much for Spidey to handle. And Cody says, this is a fight I want to see. It'd be awesome. I give it to Spidey. In the end, 
thanks to speed, strength, and spider sense. And Cody, I'm going to bet within the next five years we see that fight happen. Yeah. I, I, How did the rest very, of the at the uh, very least at the very least we will see this in a video game? Yes. Yes. Mm. Which I think would. Be How awesome. did the rest of the major spoilers nation vote so far? I'm looking at 142 votes, and I've been looking off and on all day, and it has remained pretty much the same. Two to one. People are saying Darth Vader currently 65 percent to 35. Uh, earlier in the day, it was 66 to 33, and that was around 50. At around 100, it was 66 to 33. At around 150, it was 65 to 35. So basically two to one, people are saying the power of the force outworks the power of the uh, old auntie who... Aunt Bay never told you what happened to your father. The Red Skull shot him in the face in 1964. Thank you, drive through. Okay, listeners, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com. You can cast your vote in the Major Spoilers poll of the week. It's going to be up there for a whole week. So you've got yeah. plenty of time, but don't wait to the last minute because you might get there and find out that the poll's been changed to something like who can eat a pizza faster? And it's going to be two other people. Yeah. And then you won't get a vote on Darth Vader or Spider-Man. Jack Porkins do or it, Dr. Octopus? Do it today. <laughs> what are you a doctor of? Dr. Gravy! Octopus. Oh, a good song. So, um... Oh, let's give another shout out to our to our sponsors, Tweaked Audio. Yeah. And uh, and their checkout code. What is it? Checkout code is major. What does that get me? I'll tell you what it gets you, Zach. It gets you some pretty awesome headphones right. at tweakedaudio.com. I like that. A lot of different types, a lot of different styles. I actually got two pair, one for home and one for work because I'm always forgetting one at one place or the other. Mm-hmm. So I just leave one here, one at the other place. When I go to the other place, I put them in, ignore everybody for the rest of the day. Smart. Come home, put them in, ignore everybody for the rest of the night. <laughs> oh, boy. So uh, it works uh, it works to my advantage. Four different styles, six different colors. So you can get a microphone built in, which is nice if someone calls you because you can say, leave me alone, not interested, and hang right back up. <laughs> Designed to sound great for music and talk. Engineered for durability. Noise reduction design, which I really like. Really kind of cool colors. I like, I've got this, uh, mm-hmm. I think it's the peanut butter yellow or whatever it is now, mm. and then the peanut butter green. <laughs> Man, those are cool, thin, flat ribbon, really hard to get those tangled up. You can get those over at tweakedaudio.com and use that checkout code MAJOR, and here's where it comes in, Zach. I like it. 30% off the price. Wow. Tweakedaudio.com. We thank them for their support. Let's talk about the Red Panda. Mask of the Red Panda. You listen to the Red Panda Adventures, Zach? Uh, I've dabbled. You've dabbled. How dare you mm-hmm. dabble in the red pan? <laughs> what about you, Rodrigo? Also dabble. Matthew? Yeah. Oh, you guys are missing out on some great stuff. If you guys like pulp radio mm, from I the day. Say orange juice. No, not pulp orange juice. Just wondering. A little, little extra fiber, Zach. <laughs> um, so if you like the the old, like, the Shadow, Green Hornet, um, those kind of tales from the old days. What they've done over at Dakota Ring Theater is they have created their own version of that. And they tell it in the 1930s in the way that you would listen to an adventure from the 1930s, uh, complete with little commercial breaks and those kinds of things. Uh, the series originally started in the 1930s, but the cool thing is as the years have gone on, the story has progressed through the years. So they are just now right at the end of World War II, mm. um, a little bit past World War II, I think, at this point. 
Um, but they have moved from a very supernatural type storytelling um, to stuff that now has a lot of sciencey stuff in it. And it's pretty cool. Um, the Red Panda is someone that has yeah, basically throw in your shadow, your Batman, your your Flash Gordon stuff. And that is the Red Panda. He is Canada's greatest protector. And he protects uh, Toronto from uh, villains. Oh, they just had a great run over um, Professor Zombie, where she was basically, I mean, this has been going on for, I think, almost a year now, uh, trying to turn the populace of, of Canada into zombies. <laughs> and he, uh, the Red Panda, and his trusty sidekick, the Red Squirrel. The Flying Squirrel. The Flying Squirrel. Um, they have, uh, they've defeated Professor Zombie. Spoiler alert. Uh, but it is, it is a good time. And I really recommend if you guys haven't, if you're looking for another podcast, uh, I like Greg Taylor's Dakota Ring Theater. So I don't know how many episodes they release a month, maybe somewhere between two and four episodes a month. They're not all, uh, Tales of the Red Panda. Sometimes they're Blackjack D Justice, which is a detective story. Sometimes it's other stuff that they, that they release. Um, but it's always good. And, over the last couple of years, Greg Taylor has taken the audio drama and turned it into a couple of novels. Covers done by our um, artist friend Thomas Perkins. Uh, he's done art for them. Uh, and most recently, about a year ago, from Monkey Brain Comics, they had a three-issue um, series of The Mask of the Red Panda, where the uh, Red Panda is taking on some supernatural thing. There's a widget out there, a little MacGuffin. That people are trying to get and find. So there's a little bit of a mystery, mm -hmm. a little bit of the supernatural mixed in, and uh, some demon dogs that are chasing people around uh, that's one of my Toronto. David Bowie albums. Yeah, boy. I was going to say, that's one of my favorite snack cakes. <laughs> demon dogs, yes. <laughs> so uh, who wants to give a rundown of this story? Uh, Matthew. Hello. My name is Matthew. Uh, well, there's this guy who's called the Red Panda, and he is a panda. Uh, let's see. I read this last week, and I'm trying to put it through together in my mind. So the Red Panda is being all panda-y with his sidekick, the Flying Squirrel, and they're trying not to answer the phone because she's being trained in various methods of communication. But foolishly, they do answer the phone. And it turns out that something terrible has happened. There's a wave of things I don't, I don't know what those things are. They're kind of like doggy things. And yeah, they're magic they're dog things. Bad magic things dog monsters. Bad yeah. people. Yeah, which is kind of entertaining. And then they end up in the middle of it. Now, the thing that I had not realized is that the Red Panda is not a straightforward pulp story. Uh, it, and the point where that came in is at the point where they went to their uh, inventor friend and got the anti-magic Right. Formulas and serums, which, which is really kind of cool in the overall story. It really story is. Arc. And I mm -hmm. think that's that's what turned it to me from this is, you know, a pastiche of Greenhorn that this is a pastiche of the shadow because there's a little bit of Greenhorn, a little bit of Cato in play here mm -hmm. to something that puts a big twist on it. Kind of an almost, you know, a, a Lovecraft sort of pulp story, which I really enjoy. And then there's this really awesome guy who looks like Red Zorro, and I'm not mm -hmm. sure what his deal is mm -hmm. all about. But uh, basically what it comes down to is in order to try and save the day, they have to figure out a way to keep someone from being eaten for four issues. Well, to keep – they have to find these two halves of a medallion that if right, they're brought right. together, 
will give somebody immense power. Right. And and, the- and I kind of like what you said, Matthew, about how they can go get anti-magic-y stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's somewhat explained. You no, know, it's not stated specifically, but it's somewhat explained as, you know, magic is just science that we don't understand. Yeah. The and band actually says at one point that magic and science are more closely related than you think. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it makes sense that you can find an anti-magic to your pro-magic uh, powers, whatever they may be, your AC to your DC kind of thing. Um, and so I think that's really kind of cool. And actually, if you pay attention to that, <laughs> it actually sets up how they end up defeating the bad guy in the end. Yes. Um, very well set up, by the way. Yeah. 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 It's because they got a magic detector and an anti-magic thing mm-hmm. that the, uh, what is it? An, a nullifier. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, that they can use to to do Anti-magic things. Anti magic flares at one point, point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't realize she was actually a flying squirrel. Well, I mean, she doesn't have superpowers of flying. It's a it's a gliding kind of thing. Uh, neither these two are very very Green Hornet, Cato, very Margot and the Shadow. Um, at at one point in the story, right now she's just his chauffeur. Chauffeur. Um, Later in the in the radio drama, she becomes a reporter at a local um, newspaper and then, you know, comes back. This is all during the war when the Red Panda have, is having his adventures over in Europe and then comes back. And uh, I'm not going to spoil some stuff for you because it's kind of hinted uh, in the uh, in the story that you read. Mm-hmm. Little uh, looking at eyes with one another. Oh, yeah. They're pretty sweet on each other. Yeah, they are. But then that's not necessarily... A terrible thing. I, you know, I always. Oh, it actually, it, it actually isn't. They in the bigger story, it is handled extremely well. I may have to actually check out some of the bigger story because I really enjoy the fact that throughout this issue, we keep getting the interaction where it's it's kind of a Batman and Robin think clean thoughts chum kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But but she's not a ten year old boy. She's you know a twenty three year old girl in a skin tight suit who clearly has the gagoogies for him. And I'm like, this is you know it's an interesting dynamic to play with. Rodrigo, did you like this story? I liked it. Okay, um, I thought that uh, there were a lot of cool things about it. Um, I I also thought that it was kind of a um, it, it's it's very straightforward. Like, uh, let's go to the next scientist, and like, basically, let's go to the next scientist or magician, right? Uh, story, um, with you know, with kind of detract. I, I, it didn't really detract from it. I just uh, it was just following. It's following yeah, the road, yeah, the roadmap to the about end. It it, it yeah. really the 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 sauce in this the the reason why the the reason to pick this up for me as far as I'm concerned is the interaction the language that they use because the, mm-hmm. it's you know it's very mm-hmm. pulpy you know anytime uh, something good happens flying squirrel goes hot chocolate yeah. <laughs> and you can you can just hear her having like a, a slight Bronx accent she kind of does mm-hmm. a little bit I I love that but not part. but but not by much again this is a story that's set in in Toronto right. Yeah, so it's a Toronto Bronx. Yeah, Toronto yeah, yeah, Bronx. Yeah. It's a Toronx, if you will. Um, yeah, but she's a she's a spunky character, and and uh, she uh, she get she gives as good as she she gets in this, and it's I, I like the characters again because it is this take on things that people have read before, and I know people will jump on stuff saying, oh well, this is just a rip off of such and such, and this is just a rip off and such and such, and that's fine, providing you can do something different with that, and mm-hmm. I think what they've done is very different. I'm, I'm trying to get Greg Taylor on the show and talk with him 
uh, in the near future about his world building and the things that he does. Um, but uh, it's I, I like the story. I'll come back to a negative here, but I want to get Zach's reaction to this story. Uh, I, I liked it overall. I thought it was it was a good time. Um, I really like the voicing of the Red Panda, especially since I've listened to like yeah, a yeah, handful yeah. of the the podcast shows mm-hmm. that you can just hear that voice from the show inside the character in the comic. I mm-hmm. think it's really nice that they they really captured the essence of who he is and who he comes off as in the show in the comic. And that made it enjoyable for me. So monkey brain comics originally released this in digital form through comiXology, but uh, monkey brain has actually done something really cool where they've struck up deals with a number of different publishers to get their electronic comics collected and reprinted. And this one happens to be through IDW publishing. This came out a couple of weeks ago um, from IDW publishing. So it's probably, it's still maybe in the stores. I know you can get it. I know it's available. Um, online still through comiXology. The part that I have a problem with is if you are not a Red Panda follower and you're just picking this up to see, you know, what all what what's all the talk about, mm-hmm. I have a feeling that there are some greater arc story elements that you have, you know, these people, magician dude suddenly pops up. They're talking about the, um, you know, the cult of uh, the Magic uh, Academy or whatever their their group is. The Mage Council? Yeah, of the Mage Mages Council of Mages. Um, they're talking about a lot of different things that you're like, what is this stuff? And you only know about it if you've listened to the greater story and you've heard these stories come up. I mean, there's time travel. There's dimension hopping. There's, um, you know, this uh, like a some guy who travels back from the future that they, that they talk to and interact with a lot. Mm -hmm. There's a new superhero guy. And when these things pop up, when the council of mages, um, the society of society of gentlemen, adventurers and all these others pop up, I can just imagine that people who are not familiar with the greater story going, why are we spending all this time with this? This does not make sense. Or maybe you are, don't have a big appreciation because that's not explained uh, in this piece. This is my very first experience with the Red Panda in any incarnation. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to mysterious elements in world building, I kind of take an an approach that I like to call the Venture Brothers paradigm, which states simply, when these mysterious elements come up, is it fun? Do I want to know? what the deal is behind the guy in the red mask who looks like Zorro. Do they present it in a way that makes it enticing for me as, you know, tends to happen with all of the little bits and flippity gibbets and things that we don't know in the venture brothers. When they first started talking about the league of calamitous intent, I'm like, Mm -hmm. wait, these are super villains. This could go badly. Right, right, right. But when it came around, it was awesome. And that's the thing that I feel like this does really well is when they're introducing mysterious elements that I didn't know about. And, you know, granted, I'm picking this up as an extremely experienced reader of superheroes and pulps and adventure type fiction. So maybe I have a foot in the door, maybe I don't, but I didn't feel alienated by that so much as I felt kind of, Ooh, I do want to know what that's all about. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I want to read about what is his name? The guy by himself, the guy who's clearly not the Avenger and wears Zorro's mask. Oh, I want to know what his deal is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I mean, 
don't think that you're going to get standalone adventures of these characters. I mean, everything is through the lens or behind the mask of the Red Panda. Mm -hmm. These are people that just step in and are like make a guest appearance or a team up uh, for that for that particular story. And then they're out again for however long. Uh, But every time they come in, it's nice because the story builds upon what you've heard before. Um, If you're going to listen to uh, Dakota Ring Theater, that's the that's the podcast you want to listen to. uh, I would recommend that you start with. I want to say probably episode 24, because in the I'm sorry, episode. Maybe episode 13, I I thought it was after episode 24. Is that the beginning? Well, um, so originally. Uh, when it first started, the first 12 episodes were kind of set in kind of a military base kind of thing. And it was almost like Blackhawks mm-hmm. uh, kind of kind of the way that they told the story. And the Red Panda was a code name, just like you would have Red Five standing by Red Panda standing by that kind of stuff. Um, and they didn't jump into the pulp type stories, I think, until maybe it's season two with episode number 13 might be after 24. Oh, yeah, yeah. It starts with episode 13. So that's probably where I would start for this particular character. Um, And then it's explained that, hey, there's dimension hopping going on. So what happened in the first 12 (laughs) issues actually or episode, it's actually did happen, but just not in this universe. Um, Interesting. But it's good storytelling and it goes on for a long time. I mean, there's 92. I think there may be close to 95 episodes out right now. I think it may be close to 95 episodes. I forget what the, the latest one just came out like last week. Um, and I've probably listened to a little bit more than half of them. If you want to just pop in anywhere, I think season three, season four, it gets really, really interesting. Um, but there are currently eight seasons that have been released of this. And then they go into off seasons and they do some other podcast uh, shows. Um, I forget which one it is that Brian D&D Brian likes. I think he likes the um, it's kind of like mystery box story. It's like an anthology series is really kind of cool. That weird door. That weird door dot com. I think it's just called weird door dot com is where you need to go for all your weird door needs. Got a call from GoDaddy today asking if we needed any of their services because I'd bought the domain last week on one of our shows. (laughs) I was like, no, no, I'm okay. Uh, but yeah, WeirdDoor.com. Okay, so here's the other thing that's kind of interesting is when this series was originally released mm-hmm. it, through Comixology in digital form, it was in black and white. Mm-hmm. So no color that. whatsoever. Now in this collected trade, suddenly we're presented with lots and lots of color. I'm not sure yeah. I like I'm not sure I like the color. Sometimes sometimes very unmotivated color. Yeah, the that color is was what strange. I think my biggest problem <laughs> is. There's a lot of unmotivated color changes where all of a sudden you're, you know, here's this uh, scene where they're talking about, "Hey, let's go stay in and practice or let's go out and bust some heads." And it's like, "Right on, boss." And then the next panel, she's completely green, he's completely purple, and the background is all completely mauve, and there's no lighting motivation for this at all. And then you can jump I, back into can, a more detailed color. Can I take a moment? Sure, go ahead. Back in the 1940s, in the comic books, they were literally doing four-color separations sure. with actual papers. What you are seeing here is 
to my eye anyway, an actual old school 40s and 50s comic book technique. You'll see it a lot in Harvey Horror Comics. Bruce uh, Otter Disaster and I were talking about this recently, where you'll see something where all of a sudden everything is flat with one color, one character yellow to make her pop. Mm -hmm. It's something that they did to kind of conserve the amount of time you had to do on your color separations in some some cases. But, you know, there's a lot of strange motivations for it. I don't necessarily think it was always successful here. But I think what they were trying to do was actually give you a little bit of the flavor of an old school four color separated comic book in the digital age. Which it, is if cool. that's what they're going for, great. I just it didn't work for me um, at all. And I was just didn't work. Mm-hmm. Zach. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think that the lines and the inks uh, are, are, are really good, but the coloring just threw me off at times. At times it was completely fine, but then you'd get a couple panels that were just seemed random, uh, shaded a different color for no apparent reason. And that was odd. Rodrigo. Yeah, I thought at, at times it seemed strange that they would, because the, the thing is like, the colors didn't seem motivated by what was going on. Like when they're in their lair, like you said, a lot of the time there would be like green and purple stuff. Um, it's like, I could see if they did like blues and, you know, something that, that, that uh, was a little bit more um, indicative of where they were. I think they could have, they could have used the same technique, but at times that like, there were pages where I was like, are they suddenly in a nightclub mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or like a disco or something like that? <laughs> yeah, because that's what it looked like. Um, it didn't it didn't terribly detract from the experience for me. Um, but but I did. I mean, that's that's something that I definitely caught on to. I, it was something that was there. If you and I don't want to detract from what IDW is doing and, and teaming up and, and working with uh, Monkey Brain Comics. Um because some people like that physical form and want to get their story all collected in one spot mm-hmm. and having it in color is certainly uh, something that's a little bit more attractive to a potential buyer as opposed to something that's only in black and white. I know some people look at something that's only in black and white and think less of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have both versions. I have the color trade and I also have the digital black and whites. And it is nice to flip back and forth between them to see you know, which one works better. And there are some times where the, uh, where the color works, especially when you're trying to say, Oh, okay. So is the red Panda, because I always imagine it from the logo that you see at Dakota ring theater, the red Panda's hat is red. His mask is red. His coat is red. His tie is red. And then you get to here. So you're reading in black and white. You're going all oh, red, 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 red. And then you get here and it's like, no, it's just his mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, that's kind of a, a, you know, an added bonus to getting this in color. Matthew, anything else you want to add on the coloring or the art in general, everybody on the art in general? I didn't necessarily have the issue with the coloring necessarily, but I did find that there were a couple of times where the perspectives on the art would I, – I, I don't want to say – well, here's the thing. Back in the day when I actually shot with a camera, they used to talk about the 180-degree rule. Yeah where you would have like a conversation and you would not want to flip the camera to where you look like you all of a sudden changed the the orientation of the universe entirely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There was some of that in more of a 360 degree manner going on here that was occasionally disorienting, but the art always looked really solid. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the, the main thing that I love 
it is really, really hard to draw a slouch hat. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to draw a slouch hat consistently from all angles. And every single angle of the panda slouch hat always looks right. Mm -hmm. That right there, I think, is is one full star for me, is the hat looked phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I guess looking at this in black and white, if you're a big fan of the spirit, it's... You know, save for the trench coat, he basically is uh, Denny Colt uh, in his in his attire. Some, some similarity. Denny didn't necessarily always wear the trench coat. Right, right. But I'm saying that's what I said. Save for the trench coat, which yeah. Denny was a lot of times just in a in a blue suit. And Denny never wore socks. Well, that's true too. <laughs> Though I don't know if we see the panda just specifically putting on socks oh, no. here. We see his socks. Okay. His socks are visible. Trust me, when I read anything where a character looks like the spirit. I checked to see if they're wearing socks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And whether they're the same color. <laughs> um, so this is out in two different forms. Electronic black and white. I think there may be a trade that's in color electronically, or you can get it from IDW Publishing or your comic book in a physical form that's totally in color. Uh, what's the bottom line for you, Zach? I thought it was a fun read. If I think it's if short, it's, it's three issues. Yeah, it's not very long. Uh, I think if you're a fan of the Red Panda podcast, I think you'll probably find great pleasure in this series, and you should uh, seriously consider go going by it in whichever form you feel appropriate. If you're not familiar with uh, the Red Panda series, the podcast, um, not a necessary go out and buy, but it is enjoyable either way, I think. I think you'll find pleasure in it. But um, not as much if you're not as big a fan of the okay. show. Rodrigo? Um, I think that for me, what I usually liked about the Red Panda stuff that I've heard is that there's a real weirdness to it. Um, just kind of the way that, that, that scenes happen and the people that you end up interact with interacting with are strange. And that that was almost not present in this book is like the the situation was strange because it's a a bunch of like scary magical monsters doing things. But Mm -hmm. uh, what I like what I enjoyed the most about the Red Panda was not really uh, present other than the banter. Um, So I think this is a good story for people that already like the Red Panda, like uh, like um, Zach said. And I think if you pick this up and you like it i think that you'll like red panda even more because the 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 podcast has a lot more i don't know it it it, it has like it, it's it, it moves really fast and it's mm-hmm. got a really good pace um so uh, as far as a recommendation i would say if you see it around pick it up and flip through it uh, there's something in here that you might like but i, I honestly wasn't terribly impressed by it okay matthew this is good comics um, there are a lot of comics that come from a pulp perspective that just never quite seem to have their words and their pictures together. There are comics that would come from, you know, something like Dakota Ring Theater that would feel like parody or slavish devotion to aping the style of an existing book. This is something that feels relatively unique. This is something that doesn't feel like a thousand pulps I've read before, but it is good comics. I would recommend it because I really enjoyed reading this. I really got into the interactions between the characters. I like the fact that they're 
flirty, flirty, but not a couple. I mm-hmm. like the fact that he's constantly reminding her that they don't use lethal force. I like the fact that it's a Green Hornet story also with devil dogs. Uh, not the fudgy ones, by the way, for Rodrigo. Sorry there. Mm-mm. But I, I love the fact that they are giving us elements of this larger story that I know nothing about. But having read the book, kind of want to investigate and find out more about. So I would say definitely this is a successful read for me. And I don't know that I'll have time to go download podcasts, but I'll definitely, you know. You know, I don't know how long it takes. Yours. I don't know how long it takes to get to work for you, Matthew. But these episodes are, minutes. you know, 25, 30 minutes tops. So you have a chance uh, to listen to. I'm, I'm singing in the car. You so. can uh, listen to Act One on the way and then. um the second half on the way back. So it uh, works out pretty good. You guys can probably tell that I adore um, Red Panda Adventures and Dakota Ring Theater. And that's the podcast that you want to look for, Dakota Ring Theater. Uh, in addition to that, Red Panda Adventures, they have the Blackjack Justice, which is the um, which is the tech detective one. Um, and then they occasionally do some other shows. There's another comic book series called um, Krogan Adventures or the Krogan I forget what it's called, but it's the story of these little kids. It's a kids oriented comic book about, oh, dad, did we ever have a ancestor who had to deal with this situation? His dad will tell the tale of somebody from their history, from their lineage uh, and how they dealt with these situations. Might be a pirate, might be somebody in the Revolutionary War, uh, but they went ahead and Dakota Ring Theater made audio adaptations of those, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, and then they also do their summer series uh, when they're off. Um, Slick Bracer was one season. They have one where it's uh, set in space, where it's kind of a space fantasy stuff. A little bit something for everybody, but generally it alternates back and forth uh, every week between Red Panda Adventures and Blackjack Justice. Um, Red Panda Adventures is now up to 102 episodes. Empire of Death was really good. Um, okay. Uh, I like it. I say go check it out. And I think if you haven't, uh, do go check out the book or the podcast. And I think that wraps it up for this issue. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of the major spoilers podcast. And thank you to shades of vengeance for sponsoring this episode. Uh, link to their Kickstarter is in the show notes. Please take a uh, moment, click on that. See if you can help those guys out next week. Batman son of the demon. Ooh, why Batman? <laughs> no, because we know that you love comics. We do too. We will talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers. Fat the X-ray vision of a Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Wait, think about a better way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. 
What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm stark raving rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline Would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Shot up in a fine be in the middle east with a king santo and soldier what a major spoiler what a major spoiler yeah 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 what a major spoiler wow 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 what a major spoiler